0: Welcome everyone to the eight, and welcome to um, a part two continuation of a conversation about comparison because we all struggle in some shape or form of comparing ourselves to others, right? It's a nasty part of all of us, really. And I talked about it a couple weeks ago when we talked part one. There's like this sick part of us that gets a little bit happy when we see somebody we don't like or we are insecure about, that they don't succeed or something happens to them. There's a part of us that feels a little bit good or when we see ourselves higher than someone else, there's a sick part of all of us that feels a little bit good. It, it's, it's such a bad feeling but for some of us it feels good. So comparison gets the best of us and it's higher now than ever before in human history and it has a lot to do with this really cute device that's on most of us when we scroll around and we compare our lives to others. And something we talked about on part one of this conversation is there is no win in comparison. We can never win in comparing ourselves to other. We we, like there's, it's not like you, once you reach to be like that other person, you, then everything is good. Or once you succeed and you get that, that, that you, you get whatever, you fill in that blank, then all of a sudden you've reached that state and you're not comparing yourselves to that other person. Or you, now you become like your cousin. You become like that other person. You become like your coworker. There's no win. It always gets the best of all of us. There's never a win. Maybe some of us have purchased things purely driven by comparison. Sometimes we've married that person, unfortunately, because of comparison. We've dated that person just to compare ourselves to someone else. We have taken that job to compare ourselves to others. I've posted that picture just to, 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 so other people can compare themselves to me. So forth and so on. We have all done decisions related to a weakness of a toxic level of comparing ourselves to others. A fourth century bishop by the name of St. John Chrysostom, he put it this way. As a moth gnaws a garment, so does envy consume a person. As a moth gnaws a garment, so does envy consume a person. So just just in case you need a a visual of this, here's a moth eating at some clothes here, right? So St. John uses this imagery, just as a moth starts eating at clothes and starts tearing it away, So does envy, so does jealousy. When we compare ourselves to others, it starts eating at us. We start making decisions purely driven by how we compare ourselves to other sometimes that happens to be our entire motive or drive in life is just how i compare myself to others that i view myself in light of that person or i want to reach to the level of that person and i make all my life decisions based off of that if that becomes my life mo uh, you know i i live my life by, by with that agenda it's equivalent to a moth eating at clothes, and it eventually deteriorates the clothes. It deteriorates us when that becomes our motive. The fastest way, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to someone else. And, and believe me, I'm, I'm not repeating the last talk, but I just wanted to, to build off of it. What we talked about then in part one of comparison, we said uh, that, that uh, King Solomon said these words in the year 180 B.C., He looked around, and he says, all the toil and all the achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This, too, is meaningless. It's as if I'm chasing the wind. Like, he's looking at life. He's looking at the world. He's looking at society. He's looking within himself. All the toil, all the achievement, everyone trying to just go, 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 and hustle, 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 all of that is as if they're just chasing the wind. They're just trying to chase a, a moving target, and it leads to no contentment. And he says this, it's better to have one handful with tranquility, with contentment, with gratefulness, appreciation, sufficiency. It's better to have one hand of tranquility than two handfuls with toil and you're always chasing after the wind. It's better for us to look at what we have and to be content with it as opposed to just having two handfuls and always trying to move up the ladder and trying to to, to compare ourselves to other. It beats us up. It's chasing the wind. Now for today, what do you and I do when we feel we have been shortchanged by God? You ever feel like, what have I done for God not to answer this prayer? What have I done for, for like this to happen in my life? Like, why have these series of events, this person, that group of people, that event, that trauma, why did that have to happen in my life? Like, I, I feel God owes me. Maybe we won't say it with those words directly, but we say it in some version of that, that we feel God has shortchanged us, that he owes us something. And let's add m- more realism to it. If there even is a God, then he owes me. Like I live a good life. I've been doing X, Y, Z good. I've been faithful, so forth and so on. And then this happens. God has shortchanged me. If you get nothing out of this, the next 15 minutes, here's my bottom line. I'm already putting it up. Here it is. Our dissatisfaction with what we have says more about how we feel about God than how we feel about the people to whom we compare ourselves. One more time. Our, dis- our dissatisfaction with what we have says more about how we feel about God than how we feel about the people to whom we compare ourselves, right? You know that dissatisfaction? You got something, and then all of a sudden, you go to that house party, and you see their house, and then you go back to your house, and, you, and then you're so dissatisfied. It says more about how you view God than how you, what you're saying about that other person. Really has nothing to do with the other person. It says a lot about how you view God. One more time, because this is, this is the money sins and then we'll move forward. Our dissatisfaction with what we have says more about how we feel about God than how we feel about the people to whom we compare ourselves. Now, I want to... Put uh, candles, not candles, handles. I want to put handles on this statement to make this more tangible and for us to make this more concrete together. So I want to share with you from Matthew chapter 25, Jesus loved to speak in analogies and parables and imageries to paint a picture. And And sometimes we pass by this so quickly. But think about this. In this long sermon in which Jesus gave, he gave a series of different analogies, a series of different parables to paint a picture of heaven people love the question of what is heaven like is there heaven or is it just a state of being like what is heaven like right right like so everyone's so curious about what is heaven people make documentaries people like say they are almost dead and they saw heaven right we we're, we lean in toward heaven and here is God in flesh God in flesh talking about heaven. And this is his analogy, his imagery, the visual of how he paints a picture of heaven. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them, right? So as a great communicator, as Jesus is, is is, is now giving an, an analogy, a visual to help us understand heaven, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling, someone's traveling to a far country, and he called his, his workers, his, his volunteers, his servants, he called them, and he delivered his goods to them, right? He's going on, he's going on a, on a long trip, and he's giving what he has, and he's entrusting it to his servants. And to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Don't focus too much on what are the talents, right? There, there's different ways to interpret it. But he gave his goods, his possessions. He left. He ascended. Right? We'll, we'll connect the dots at the end. The owner departs. He's not with them. But he gives what he has, his possession, and he entrusts it to his servant. One servant, he gives five talents, another two, another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately, the master, the owner, went on a journey. Moving on. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them. And made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. All right, so just as a recap, the owner is leaving. He's going on to, uh, he's traveling for uh, for quite some distance far away. He gives his servants one person five, another person two, the other person one. The person who has five invests it. A person who has two invests it. But the person who has one does nothing, but he hides it. But don't be quick to judge him. The guy has one, so he's going to hide it and and, and protect it, right? He doesn't want to lose the one. Jesus continues. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came. The one who ascended, the one who left, is coming back down. He's coming. The, The owner is coming. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He says, all right, show me what you got, right? I left you with five, what's up? I left you with two, what's the, what's the update? I left you with one, did you do anything with the one, right? So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Aren't those sweet words, right? The person got five talents. He capitalized on it. He invested it. He doubled it. What, what's the words of Jesus? What are the words of the master? Well done. Well done. Good. And you were very faithful in what I gave you. You, you, were, you were faithful in what I entrusted you with. And you produced more. You invested it. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Great words. He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then then he who had received the one talent came and said, the the guy who had one talent, Lord, like, I I know you to be, I I know you're kind of harsh. I know you're very like, eh. I know your heart. But the reality is, you're reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Pause. What is he saying? What's his excuse? What is this guy's excuse? He's saying, I know you're mean. I know you're tough. I know you're a hard guy. But in reality, you're looking for fruits of where you didn't plant the seed. You're asking me to to get fruit. where You didn't even plant the seed. You planted the seed there, and you want me to get the fruit from what you planted? that's not me that's your fault for us when we feel that god has shortchanged us why has god given me this health condition why has god why is my story of my upbringing this why you know what have i done for this to happen in my life it's not you but what's what what's the 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 easy the path to point to it's god so what do we say? God, you're, you're the hard man. You're the one expecting me to do X, Y, Z. You're the one who, who dumped me these cards in life. So it ain't me. It's you. And the, the, the guy who had one says this. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there. You have what is yours. He had the disease of victimization. I'm the victim, right? The, this, the, it's, it's not my fault. It's the trauma. It's my upbringing. It's my parents. It's my grandparents. It's my church. It's, it's the, the president. So forth and so on, right? We, we just point the, 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 the finger at everyone else. It's everyone else. And, and that person got comfortable with that narrative. and saying, you're, you're the one that's hard. You're expecting me to do X, Y, Z when you're the one who planted the seed. Like, you, you, gave me the wrong, you, you gave me the wrong cards. Somebody else, you gave five. Another person, two. And one, it's not, it's not my fault. It's your fault. You're the one who shortchanged me. This is why I feel insufficient. This is why I end up comparing myself to others because whatever I have, it's never enough. I'm never able to catch up with that person. I'm I'm never able to be like that guy. I'm never able to be like her because I'm always short-changed by you, God. But his Lord answered and said to him, how did the master respond to the one who let fear paralyze him? This is a different series altogether for a different time, but do you ever think about where you and I would be if we did not let fear control us? You ever think of what God can do in us if we did not allow fear to own us? Like sometimes we don't take that step, sometimes we don't whatever, because fear controls us. What if, what if, what if God is awaiting to do big things But our fear paralyzes. Today, we read this record account from St. Luke. What if St. Mary, like so traumatized with fear, understandably, that heaven came down and Archangel Gabriel announced news that you are going to bear the uncontainable God in your womb? What if fear paralyzed her and she missed out? But here we are honoring her, centuries later, because she pushed past the fear. That's a completely different topic for another time. but Moving on. How did the Lord Master answer and say to him, well, what, how, did, how did Jesus, how did the Master respond to the one who took the one talent and did nothing with it? Actually, he hid it. You can justify it, right? It's not like he, like, you know, spit on it and kicked it and said, "I'm not. no. I, if, I mean, if you really look, he protected it. He, he justified himself. Oh, I got one. I got to make sure I, I protect that. So you can kind of, you feel for him a little bit, right? How did Jesus respond? And his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. The master gives it to him. You know exactly what I have entrusted you with. I have empowered you with a wide array of things in your life in order for you to thrive. I have not abandoned you. You are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. The cards that I have given you. Could there be more? Sure. Could there be less? Sure. But what I have entrusted you with, you are wired from God for that to grow, to make an impact in this world. You are wired from what I'm giving you. Because you have done nothing with what I have given you, you are a lazy servant. I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who is able to grow that talent, who is able to utilize what I have entrusted with them. Jesus continues, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, Even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. I don't mean to bring fear and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just reciting the words of Jesus. This is him. There will be a place in which there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about hell. For those who have been paralyzed by comparison, by victimization, that their entire life is just, it's not my fault. It's God is the one who shortchanged me. It's not me. I've, and they've built this narrative, right? That, that it's, it's not me. It, it's, it's my upbringing, it's my parents, it's my what. You, you fill in the blank. There's a place waiting for them. Here's my question for you What are you planning to do with what God has entrusted with you? What are you planning to do? with what God has entrusted with you. Like God has equipped you and has given you even your upbringing, even that unique family, because we all have those types of people in our family. But God has entrusted you with that. God has entrusted you with where you are in your career or what you do for work. You have been entrusted with that, because if if you really assess what you do for a living, that's not you. Somebody rented you. Someone has given you those resources. Someone has given you the opportunity for that door to open. So it's, it's not you. You don't, own, you don't own nothing. I own nothing. So it's not you. What are you planning to do with what God has entrusted with you? you assess your family. Assess your upbringing. Assess the hardships that have come upon you. What if we looked at our hardships as something that you have been entrusted with? What if someone is awaiting? I, this is the thing that kills me the most as a priest. I'm not exaggerating. I talk to person X, and, 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 you know, there's been a series of storms in that person's life. And then person Y, I sit with them, series of storms in their lives. And I'm thinking in my mind, oh, man, if these two people can talk, man, like, they would find so much comfort of, of being, knowing that they're not the only one. But I can't, you know, I ask like, hey, if there was someone else, you know, would you be able, and most of the time they tell me no. But imagine, imagine. what what if the the series of events of where you are in life, if you are content with it or not, what if God has entrusted you with that in order for you to bring light to someone else? What if, what if, what are you planning to do with what God has entrusted with you? Comparison, comparison, comparison diminishes your uniqueness And your unique potential. Comparison diminishes your potential. When that becomes the lens of how you make life decisions, that becomes the lens of how you purchase things, that becomes the lens of everything, you miss out on your uniqueness. You miss out on what God wants to do in your life. What you have is less important than what you do with what you do have. Let me say that again. What you have is less important than what you do with what you do have. I don't even know if that's grammatically correct, but you get what I'm saying. What you do with what you have is, is I'm not saying the football. Let <laughs> I me mean, not confuse myself. What you have or don't have, you got five talents, you got two talents, you got eight talents, that's not the focus. It's what you do with what you do have. That's, that, that has to be the focus. Here's the question. Yeah, go ahead, Amir. Yeah. Uh, what if you take the two talents or the three or five or whatever one and you actually lose it while you're trying to uh, um, invest it? What happens then? Yeah. Yeah, great question. So Amir's asking the question, what if someone has two talents, three talents, five talents, and you lose all of it or half of it? Welcome to the struggle of this temporal world. Imagine if we stand before God and says, God, I'm yours. I'm your child. What have you entrusted with me? What is my mission in this world, to give what you have already given me? What if that's the question? What if that's the prayer that we stand before his throne, before we stand God, and says, God, I'm yours? What do I have that's not mine, that I'm renting, that I'm called to give back to you? What if that becomes our posture? Every liturgical prayer, we say, Lord, we offer unto you What is already yours? We offer unto you what is yours. For everything, concerning everything, and in everything. What's that last part mean? I don't know. But I do know that when we do pray, we say, Lord, we offer unto you what is yours. The bread and the wine, that's yours. You're the manager of agriculture. You're the the manager of the grapes and the wine. This is yours. We're offering unto you what is yours for you to transform them, for them to become life-giving. So I'm offering myself. Who is me? I'm yours. I belong to you. You're the one that decided to take two cells and spark a heartbeat and create. I, I'm, I'm, I'm already yours when I was in the womb. Tell me what I have been entrusted with. How am I called to give that back to you? Because whatever I have is yours. Whoever I am is yours. Yeah, go ahead with you. I have an answer to Anir's question because I think the focus is on trying at least to double or triple or whatever. So the effort that you have tried, even if you failed, but at least you've tried, rather than being lazy and do nothing and say, eh, you know, I was afraid so I didn't do anything. I guess that's the answer. Uh, that's what I was saying, is it better not to bury it? And try and fail, yes, that's what I was course. saying. Uh, yeah, I- of course, of course, like what, it, 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 it becomes the lens. What's the optics of how I view myself and how I view what I've been entrusted with? If I don't, if I don't view it like this, this is mine, I hold on to it, and I view, I don't know, this, this, this is the cards I've been dealt. And this is what, I, I have five talents, I have one talent, I have 18 talents, I'm, okay, here, yeah, it, 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 it belongs to you. You know stories that you and I like. We love seeing stories in sports, oh, and me, not, I don't know about you. I love stories in sports, and I know this happens in Hollywood as well, when you see, like, a kid who came from the ghetto and all of a sudden had nothing, and now he's playing in the NBA. Like, you, you and I love those types of stories. They go from nothing, but they, they, they look to see what they have been entrusted with, and they maximize their potential and what they are renting from God. But you know what's the most difficult part from this parable, from this analogy that Jesus gave, in my opinion? It's the master who determines who gets what. It's the master who determines who gets five, who gets two talents. But the number doesn't matter. And our logic, we think, oh, that person's so gifted, that person's not. And our logic, which we know our logic is flawed, right? But we determine somebody having a lot and somebody having little. We determine that. But it's the master who determines what everyone gets. But that's not the focus. The focus is what we do with what we have. But what do you have and what does the person next to you have, that's the master's department. That's our father's department. That's not ours. If we have this lens, I promise you, this will help us fight the cancer of comparison that kills us. Because our mind, our mental health, is, it's a huge epidemic in America because of us comparing ourselves in overexposure to what whatever mom is doing with their kids on the other side of the country, and all of a sudden you're comparing yourself to them. It is too much on the mind for us to compare. We're not designed for that. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Every minute. Every minute we spend comparing ourselves to others, again, I'm saying this with all love, every minute that we sit and and, and and compare ourselves to others, we are essentially insulting God. Every time we catch ourselves comparing ourselves to others, in essence, we I mean, (laughs) look no further than children, right? I give Ruth... This, no, 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 flip it. I give Tobias a piece of cardboard for him to play with. What does the six-year-old say who has 15 Barbies? How come he has the, the, the cardboard and not me? I'll end with this. I said the same thing at part one, and I just want to reiterate it because it's nice, cute text that we all agree. What I'm about to put on the screen, you and I agree in theory, but I'm telling you, this is the stress point where we need to execute on this. So you already agree. I said nothing new, but the action is the tension point, especially especially, if we're calling ourselves Jesus followers. Predecide to celebrate what God has given others. I know I didn't read what's on the screen, but I want to add that. Pre-decide to celebrate what God has given others. Like you decide from now, Are you going to celebrate what God has given others? Like, before the seed of comparison of, like, how did he get the promotion? How did she run Before all that, determine from now that you're going to honor, elevate, praise, compliment, celebrate others, pre-decide. Like, this helps us fight that seed of comparison, of envy, of jealousy. I'm going to celebrate what God has given others. Another thing I want us to put into action, I'm going to leverage what God has given me. And I know this is probably another series altogether. It's like, how do I find out what God has given me or what am I good at? I know that's, maybe we'll do that next year, God willing. But at least for now, can our central question, the heavy question, be, Lord, I'm not mine. Everything I have is not mine, mine. I want to give it back to you. But what have you given me? That second question, maybe that's later. But for us right now, for us to see ourselves in the same way God sees you and me, that we are his children, that we are holy, and that we have been placed on this earth, entrusted with a wide array of gifts and resources and personalities and upbringing and family members, all of that is part of your story. And God is saying, watch what I can do with you. But it requires us to say, God, it's yours. Whatever I have is not mine. It's yours. Let's stand up and pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we offer unto you ourselves. We offer unto you our resources. We offer unto you our time. Lord, because none of this, none of what we have, none of who we are is not ours. But, Lord, we are just renting all of this because, Lord, we are all in your hands. Lord, use us to glorify you. Use us to be a light in this world. Give us clarity to know that this is a temporal world and there is an age to come in which we will hear those sweet words, well done, good and faithful servant. These are the words that we want to live by. Lord, give us this strength to manage our lives in this way. Help us all to fight the sin of comparison for us to see what we have been given as a blessing and that you are ready. You are waiting to do great things with what you have entrusted us with. Through the intercession of St. Mary, the mother of God, and through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord,